Hey, this is Sandy. And Randy. And we're here on AT Corner. Being an athletic trainer comes with ups and downs, and we're here to showcase it all. Join us as we share our world in sports medicine. Welcome back to another episode of AT Corner. For this story episode this week, we are going to be continuing with our kind of the new year, hey, professional growth, development, where are we going, where have we been episode. New year, same us. <laughs> Which may not be bad. Right? No, it, exactly. It doesn't exactly. have to necessarily be a change, right? If you feel comfortable with where you're going, where you've been, that might be fine. So last episode, last story episode, we did kind of like starting 10 years ago, did you expect to be mm-hmm. where you are now? And now we're kind of going the future. <laughs> so what kind of opportunities for growth do you have? Do you see changes in your role? Do you see yourself as mm-hmm. an athletic trainer in 10 years? Because we're going to touch upon that too. Yeah. Also, within each setting, like, do you see yourself changing settings? Yeah, true. And now, knowing what you know now, what would you tell past self? So we're kind of going, like, throughout the... The spectrum. The ghost of 2024 past and 2024 (laughs) future. Yeah, we really are. This is basically the Christmas carol of uh, story episodes. Part one and part two. The corner carol. The corner carol. (laughs) So this first story episode is actually a gem from Jen. That is a great way to start. I thought so too, because (laughs) she has been in her job for 23 years. Wow, that's awesome. So she talks about how she keeps it fresh. Yeah. I got lazy and didn't get around to sending out a story. So I'll go with part two. How to keep your job fresh. Have a global pandemic. (laughs) You know what? That's not wrong. (laughs) I think I've mentioned before that right before COVID hit, I was considering leaving the profession. I was burned out and not having any fun in my job. I know I'm probably the most quote-unquote experienced contributor you have, and I'm winding down my career. I'm almost a bit of a unicorn in that I've spent 99% of my professional career in one place. Actually, yeah. That's super awesome. I know. That's really cool. I feel like you don't see that. There's only a few people I can name off the top of my head like i can probably count on one hand yeah. that have done that yeah yeah you don't see too many people doing that anymore really nah. actually yesterday started my 23rd year at this job wow that's awesome congratulations mm-hmm. unless something drastic happens i'll finish my career here keeping things fresh is a challenge in the past i've done things like take a course develop a class something not everyone can do but i'm actually faculty But then I hit a long period of being settled and resting on my laurels. That was what led to the burnout. Why didn't I just find a new job? I looked. I tried. I'm in an extremely fortunate situation where it's very hard to beat the economics, retirement, and healthcare I have here. Say what you want about work-life balance, but paying the bills, only having one job, and knowing that if you have a health crisis, you're pretty set is key. Honestly, true. That's so true. Actually, yeah, having one W-2 is pretty great. (laughs) (laughs) We know the opposite life. (laughs) It has made taxes complex. (laughs) Well, the six-month break I got from sports, coaches, and the athletes reignited my passion for athletic training. But something else also happened. We got a huge influx of international athletes, particularly in men's soccer. These student-athletes are mostly from Spanish-speaking countries, although now Brazil, Brazilian Portuguese outnumber the Spanish speakers. Oh, wow. I know. That's crazy. We've had a few French, Italians, some from the UK, 
Don't tell me that their English is the same. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. It is slightly different. Uh, some African dialects and even one who spoke Dutch. This started my passion for being able to communicate with my athletes in their languages and has led to my now 572-day streak on Duolingo. Oh, that's awesome. I know. That's really cool. <laughs> Talking to them every day has kept my cup full because even though nothing else has changed as far as the hours, the sports, the teaching part of my job, these kids are genuinely interested in me and what I can teach them. Not just about the aspects of my job that keep them healthy, but about our country, where to go, what to see, the things I like and don't like about living here. I know not everyone has this experience with internationals, and I know I'm incredibly lucky to have them. I'm so inspired by these athletes that I'm contemplating really shaking up my life and taking a sabbatical that would involve sports medicine in another country. Dude. That's pretty cool. And I know she just put up that map, too, that has like, yeah. the pins where all of her athletes have come I know, from, that's too. that's pretty cool. I do have to say that is probably one of the most fun things is when you have international athletes is like just kind of like learning about their country. I don't know that I've ever had an international athlete. I know I've had athletes who have lived mm -hmm. elsewhere and come here, but not like, not like your traditional international athlete yeah. that's just coming here just for yeah. school. See, that's the crazy part. Like, could you imagine just like being 18, 17, 19, nope. like... I'm just going to leave my country, <laughs> live in a new country With for probably sports. sometimes a new language. Yeah. I mean, luckily, the nice thing is, like, the rest of the world is pretty, like, their curriculums are pretty solid with English. Like, they make, like, a lot of these um, students learn English. Mm -hmm. But it's still, like, it's not their native tongue, so no, it's still it's, not comfortable it's for them. Yeah. Right. right. That's where you grow. That's where you grow. So I do admire that, like... I feel like that's such a tough situation for a young adult to just, mm -hmm. I mean, that's hard for anyone to just move to a different country, let alone just being a young adult. Right, right. I think that's what's really cool about my job is everyone who's come before me has mm -hmm. either retired or planned to retire or come close to. Yeah. Like the longevity of the job where I'm currently at just the environment and that's the thing is like hopefully it stays that way yeah for sure but the thing that's interesting is you really do have to find your own ways to keep it fresh because yes. because the way that we set it up is there's three of us and we're all mm -hmm. co-head athletic trainers so there's no way that like i can ever become the sole head athletic trainer yeah does that make sense yeah so like we're all equal, so it's there's no way that I can like grow or move up in my current job. Yeah, I mean, in the in the like promotional sense, yeah. in your traditional like, like a job business model, or, right, right, exactly. Which Isn't, like obviously has worked out for a lot of athletic trainers yeah. previously. Yeah, but it's just like interesting. I also wonder like when I see a head athletic trainer. And then athletic trainers under them that's they're usually titled like assistant athletic yeah. trainer. Mm -hmm. I wonder, because I've never been in that situation, how that feels long term mm -hmm. if if you know either you're close in age to the head athletic trainer yeah. or the head athletic trainer's not gonna leave. Like how how can you seek more responsibilities? Yeah. yeah. I mean for situations like that, it's kinda like you just 
it turns into like a partnership between you and the head and mm-hmm. like you guys share similar duties. That's kind of what you're hoping for. It's just you get a little bit more of the responsibility and like a lot of the day-to-day stuff tends to go to the that associate mm-hmm. whereas the mm-hmm. head handles kind of more of the big picture, the meetings with ADs and like stuff like that. Right. So it kind of turns into so one of the questions I did ask on our Instagram was, do you have opportunities for growth within your current job or would you have to leave to seek more responsibilities? Mm, and that was kind of pointed towards like that head athletic trainer, assistant athletic yeah. trainer, or like, let's say at a high school, like if you're at least out here and yeah. you're the only athletic trainer, like how can you seek more growth? Like yeah. without necessarily putting more, like, let me just get a second job as a teacher, right? Yeah. Cause um, like how, how are you going to grow within your job? Yeah. Um, 49% of people said they actually have a few opportunities for growth. Yeah, that's awesome. 12% said that they actually have a lot more. Okay. 39% say none. I would have to leave. So hmm, interesting. 40% of people don't have an opportunity for yeah. growth, which I kind of expected because I feel like the way that athletic training is set up, there's, I'm, and I'm saying traditional growth, like with quotes on it i don't want anyone to think like you can't grow within your job right otherwise i wouldn't be where i am yeah but like growth is in like title changes and more responsibilities like stuff yeah like it's like i like i see what you're saying it's kind of like you know when you're when you first get a job right you're only given like certain tasks and then as you identify more things or as you know admin trusts you more and stuff right you get all of a sudden more duties like assigned to you not like as a bad thing but like more Mm -hmm. responsibilities more like oh hey can you head this up or like Mm -hmm. hey i noticed this can we do this project like that kind of stuff like that i see what you're saying right well also some people um either add on the assistant ad role or if they're head athletic trainer they can become like director of sports medicine and or like the medical director of Mm -hmm. the college or school or or like entity wherever they're at um i also did ask this do you see a change in your role eventually into more admin or academic Mm -hmm. because some people are like you know what i'm done with athletic training but i want to stay within sort of the field in an adjacent role yeah so um 32 actually 39 percent of people so i'll start with the majority 39 percent of people said they did want to stay as nice. an athletic trainer which nice. i thought that was kind of positive yeah no, that I, was, I was really i was i really liked to see that um 32 percent of people said they are interested in becoming more of like a medical director or an ad which medical director could still be an at yes and so i don't know why i paired those two together well, because I mean, a lot of times when you think about it, especially in that role, it's more like, like it's, it's more of an admin role. Like, yeah. like they'll get like technically, like if you were to look on like a website or something, they may like have golf. Okay. <laughs> okay. Right. Like they're probably golf probably doesn't come in that often. Right. Like when in my role before, like I had technically had like five sports, but like one was surf, one was like esports. Like, okay. Like they're never coming in. Like mm-hmm. I don't, I never saw them because like I took those lighter sports. So I, because of my admin duties. Mm-hmm. So that's what, yeah. It's, I mean, it's a lot of times admin. Well, I feel like as the profession changes, we are seeing a lot more need for admin. Yes. And a lot more need for a role that's specifically admin. Yes. Which actually we're going to go into. And, well, second. and it's not fair to make someone do both because the demands that's expected of 
the director of sports medicine or in most cases they they are an assistant ad the expectation that's really kind of like no one else in those roles within the administration are doing two jobs like that right their focus is admin Mm -hmm. whereas you're asking the director of sports medicine to be admin and be an athletic trainer like that's really hard that's true that's true that's really hard Especially at like larger schools or yes. people where there's a lot more athletic trainers. Yes. And then 30% said they would like to become an academic professor or faculty. Nice. Which I feel like people are diving into this already. I Yeah. But it's it's nice to see that more, like there are some people that are practicing now that eventually look at like, Oh, being in academics because you know, they've, they've had the experience of practicing mm-hmm. so they can bring that kind of wor- real world. Like, Hey, here's, here's kind of like what makes the real world a little more complicated than it's super important. What it's, it's talked super, about. I'm, yeah. I'm sure that all I speak for most, if not all students and certified athletic trainers that the admin not the admin the faculty that you've had who have actually practiced Mm -hmm. for more than two years Mm -hmm. um it makes a difference in what they are telling you and how you can apply it yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. because it it's true like you know obviously we would like to do everything by the book but um in athletics and in just real world just life how people are and stuff like that it's really hard to just the book's not even even how injuries present are not always by the right, book. So right. it is nice to have that kind of real world, like, hey, here's what I've seen kind of mm-hmm. thing. Or here's what the book says. And yes, that's what we're striving for. But here's how we can kind of work around that to make it somewhat by the book. Mm-hmm. I, know, I know faculty who haven't practiced for that long, but what they do is they go and they actually take on per diem assignments. Oh, that's awesome. And so they're currently working, so they have something to go off of when they are talking to their students and they can connect just that much more. Yeah, that's awesome. That's cool to hear. Yeah, I I really think that it makes a difference. You know, it is pretty cool because I remember when we were students, like we we would host like a big softball tournament and uh, um, obviously as students, you know, they, they, you know, we were, you know, we wanted to help. So a lot of Mm -hmm. us would volunteer to help out with it. And it was really cool to see because, um, yeah, some of the faculty would help too. So it's really kind of cool seeing your clinical coordinator with with the radio out there at like nine o'clock at night working something. Because like it just shows that like it kind of takes away like that quote unquote like ivory tower kind of thing. Like, oh, you're here in the the trenches trenches, with us, you know, like you still kind of like understand the. The not so pretty side of athletic training sometimes. So it, right. it was really cool. And you're like, whoa. I also feel like it makes a difference because you know how like kids are like, oh, mom and dad, they don't understand. Yeah. It's like they were they were kids too. Yeah. Like it's kind of the same thing, but it's like you actually get to see that. Like you, yeah. you get to see that what they're saying is actually. And then you get to like freak out when they go do something like, oh, yeah. oh my gosh, they're doing it. <laughs> that was amazing. Um, so our next story is from Maddie S. She said, I actually created a position for myself this fall. I work 30 hours a week part-time, but I still get benefits. And I'm the clinic coordinator. I run doc clinics. I made an internship program from the ground up. And I started managing work-study students, which was our first time having them too. Along with another 
a lots of other mundane things, trying to convince them to let me keep beach volleyball. The position came out of fear and necessity, honestly. I was extending so much myself into something with no light at the end and no reward. I started to research a lot of other jobs and positions and applied and made a plan for myself. I'd meet with my boss, request a raise, express my concerns, etc. My boss shut down the raise and said, keep doing what you're doing, maybe (laughs) next year. I think we've all heard that. Yeah, we've heard that. I went to the higher-ups and had a complete breakdown because where was the growth? I told them I need to go part-time or I'm leaving for another job. So they created a position from scratch for me. Oh, wow. That's awesome. I know. I've never really heard of this. And I was telling her, um, this is, uh, I mean, you'll hear the rest of the story. Um, it's really cool to hear how her job worked with her and that that's not like a traditional option. It's not like people like know about that. Mm -hmm. And so like, how are you going to like think that that's an option? Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I think it's really cool because now like thinking outside of the box, like either I'm in this job or I'm out, you know, maybe you can just change it up a little bit. Maybe you can figure out something that kind of pleases both. Yeah, for sure. So they created a position from scratch for me. It's 30 hours a week. I keep my benefits, or at least most of it, have weekends and holidays off, and I have a list of duties I need to prioritize with no sport assignments. The no sport assignment is kind of my punishment for doing this, but whatever. <laughs> now I'm just waiting to hear if if they see growth for me in this new role. It's been amazing for everybody else as well because it, it took the load off of my, my coworkers, and I picked up a lot of busy tasks that push you over the edge when you're already at your limit. So I'm excited to see where it goes if they help it grow. Otherwise, I'm out and moving on. You just got to push the limits and see what people will do for you if you're willing to put in the work and try. Also, lots of mentors helped me. Scott Tucker and Andy Pollan, shout out. <laughs> Which, by the way, we have had both, both of them on our podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, Scott Tucker did a like preceptor one, right? Like, yep. I don't remember if it was... A, more for preceptors or for more students. for students that's right i knew it was something around that realm yeah um and then andy Pollan did a um kind of dealing with death yes which unfortunately he's had to do a lot of yes. so that was a really both of them really good episodes mm-hmm. um kind of older though yeah those are throwbacks yeah <laughs> those, those are you're talking about episodes like 20 and 30 in there seriously so anyway, Maddie says, I'm hoping more schools catch on to this. I've seen a few other schools do it. I can see on their staff listing clinic or insurance coordinator because having someone on the inside helping with logistics and advocating for your staff is a real game changer. Yes, that's very true. That's immediately what I thought of. Is that's kind of what it what it is that I've seen it as. Mm-hmm. It's like that. Insurance coordinator. Uh, that kind of... What? I know that you were trying to get an insurance coordinator. I was. There was some, there was some like kind of talk. <laughs> When I brought it up because it it's kind of like that's what I would be afraid of in that position. It's like, OK, if you're doing all those admin duties, insurance coordinators right up there, that's, yep. that, that's probably going to get assigned to you, which I mean, in, dealing with insurances are no bueno. It's not fun, um, but it is hard. Like it is nice to have someone dedicated to being that mm-hmm. because, again, it's hard being an athletic trainer, being admin. And now I got to deal with insurance problems because let's be honest probably eight out of ten times or some kind of insurance problem whether it be minor or something super complex because the thing that i've noticed is like okay so you're almost like the middle ground between your physician's office and the insurance so when there's a problem they talk to you 
Yeah. Hey, insurance isn't paying us. I say here, call this number. Yeah, like um, uh, <laughs> call this number of the insurance. What am I supposed to do with that? I, okay, well, let me call them, and then yeah. you call them. Then they give you an answer. Then you gotta talk to the office. Well, here's what they said. Oh well, but what about? Okay, I'll call them back. All right, so you're left in this middle ground. So yeah, having an insurance coordinator is pretty cool. But yeah, other play, and I've also seen. Um, this was a while ago. This is when I was a student. Again, it was during a big softball tournament. We had a. Uh, uh, one school there, kind of like a Big Ten school, so it's like you know, really large athletic program, mm-hmm. and they had an AT just dedicated to concussion care. Wow. Yeah, like just all concussions. Like she would. I needed that two yeah. falls ago. Yeah, she <laughs> would do do the referrals, do the rehab, all that stuff. Mm. And like her job and our head at the time, uh, Julie Max was fascinated. I bet she was like, "Whoa, what?" I bet. And she can't she came over and was like, Did you know that she just deals with concussion care? I'm like, whoa. Well, I mean, just th- just if you really break down from start to finish, evaluating a concussion, mm-hmm. if you do the full scat, if you do bombs, if you do yeah. cranial nerves, if they're in bad shape and you do vitals. Yeah. If then on top of that, you have them do uh I mean, the graded symptom checklist it itself kind of takes a while. Yeah. And then on top of that, like we do an insurance claim mm-hmm. and then we contact our doctor and then we write out and then that's not even documenting it. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, But I think it was also. Or kinda... explaining the take home instructions. Yeah. And I thought it was really cool to see her reaction to that because someone like that, like she's been in the profession for a very long time. She was an ATA president. Mm-hmm. It's kind of cool that she was able to see that growth in the profession that like, Oh, look at what ATs right. are doing now. That is you really, know, that's cool. really cool. Um, so speaking of what ATs are doing now, well, we can go into either settings or yeah. we can go into kind of, do you see yourself as an athletic trainer 10 years from now? Get it. What are you doing now? Settings? No. Hey, what's that are you doing now? I like the, I like the segue. Oh, well, I thought it was great. I I it went over my head. So <laughs> I'm glad you liked it. You know what? Let's keep on the trend of like uh, future things. Let's do the ten years from now. Okay. So, do you see yourself as an athletic trainer in ten years from now? Seventy four percent of people who answered our poll said yes. Nice. Which also like I assume that this is kind of biased because if you're invested in athletic training <laughs> and you're listening to this podcast, like probably seeing yourself staying as an agent right however i will give the caveat that there was like during covid (laughs) right after covid um when a lot of ats who i knew who were long-term ats very invested ats Mm -hmm. were kind of thinking about leaving the profession like i did a mini freak out like Mm -hmm. okay i'm not trying to leave right now but like is is this gonna happen to me eventually like that was kind of like scary eye-opening um but we're not there anymore. <laughs> but I mean, I can see how some people are. And especially after COVID, there's been so many changes in the profession. Yeah. And also, too, just because like you leave a profession and like choose to do something, it doesn't mean it's necessarily a bad thing. You know, Right. We talk about that all the time. Yeah. Like, we haven't talked about it in a while. One, though. for yourself, right? You shouldn't be in a position that you just you feel exhausted with. You feel like it's more like it's a beat down, right? You want to be mm-hmm. happy. Mm-hmm. And also, too, it does help 
provide awareness of athletic training in other other areas, right? So if you mm-hmm. pick a new profession and, hey, that's a representative of athletic training, mm-hmm. you know, they can help educate and be advocates for the struggle that it is sometimes. Right, right. So this first one from Anonymous says, as a mom of now two under 14 months, being an athletic trainer in the traditional setting is not the type of parent I want to be. I know there are other opportunities, but they don't pay as well, which is very frustrating. That is frustrating. And I think the biggest uh, like key words here are, it's not the type of parent I want to be. Yes. Not the, it's not possible. Yeah. Or like... anything about anyone else it's just about this person this is not the type of parent that i want to be yeah and that's a personal decision a hundred percent hundred percent um also just a side note i know that there's been a couple people who've been asking for um parenting episodes um we would love to do that however we're not parents so I think we can't do it justice just yet. Yeah. Um, so keep an eye out eventually for that. But until we find either the right person or until mm-hmm. we're parents, I think probably putting that on hold. Yeah. I know people keep asking and I'm not, I'm not trying to like shoot it down, but I just want to make sure we do it justice because yeah, I think sure. that's a really important topic. Oh, yes. Most definitely. Jeremy Jackson, though. Yeah. And he, they've done episodes on that. He's, he's right. done. He's done episodes on that. Like just being a parent. And even like, I remember when it was a virtual NATA, they did a little breakout session. With mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. Uh, they had dads and they had moms and like, it was, it was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, There's another one about parents. You want to read this next one? Yes. This one's by anonymous. My husband and I both work as ATs at the D one level. And as we are about to have our second kid, I don't know how we could both still do this. Pay is bad. Hours are worse. <laughs> that is a that, that is a good way of looking at that. <laughs> Daycare during the day, and since we work at a high academic where practices are only allowed after 4.30 p.m., oh, wow. we go get our son, and he hangs out in the athletic training room from 5-ish until 8.30 to 9 when we are done. We do dinner and everything there. He mostly goes to volleyball practice in the fall because I work football, and that's just not safe. <laughs> Probably just one of us leaving. I earned my doctorate in December of 2019 in health professions education. So although I love being a football ATC, that's probably the smarter decision for us. I always thought it would be a tough job with a family, but also thought I could do it. Not so much anymore, and I don't know if it's worth it anymore. Part of me thinks it's where we work too, but I'm really tired of working 70 plus hours a week, having no weekends except for for summer, making barely enough to maintain a certain lifestyle and seeing my kid three hours a day. Wow. So I wouldn't be surprised, but definitely disappointed in the profession. Probably would have taken a different path. My plan is to teach, ideally become a clinical coordinator for a Katie program and stay connected. Maybe work per diem to stay connected. See? Yeah. My doctor program was okay. Not many ATCs at the time, so some of the things were tough to connect to. Lots of nurses and PAs. As far as our profession goes, I don't recommend it, but I don't advise against it either. Oh, you know what? This is actually, I asked um, when athletic trainer or when potential students come to you and say, mm-hmm. like, I want to be an athletic trainer. Like, what do you say? Yeah. Because I was really intrigued because I know, like, uh, I mean, hopefully, obviously, like, you can see that Randy and I love this job. Mm-hmm. So even 
with with knowing how much we love this profession I know that when students come and talk to me I give them the honest truth and tell them you have to love this profession or you will not survive and that's totally fine but just to be given that ahead of time not just give them the rose-colored glasses and say, put these on, look, we get to go to sport games. Yeah, and two, right, you get a lot of people who are thinking they want to do pro and, like, D1 and, like, stuff like that, and then they you just hear them talk about, like, all these social things and, like, all these things that are important to them, and I'm just like, are you ready right. to say bye to a lot of those things? Because, yeah, D1, working 70 hours plus weeks. You're not going to have a weekend off. I've never worked 70 plus hours a week, I don't think. Um, It's not a good time. I know you have. <laughs> it's it's not as glamorous as it sounds. Yeah, I've never been there. Especially, like, again, like how I put it with the, like, the athletic training students. Like, if you're, like, like, you don't have really any connection. Like, if you're just, like, not tied down necessarily to anything and, like, you just want to dive into your work, that's fine. You, like, you'll probably be fine. But once you start having more of that work-life balance conflict, right, more things that you want to do at home, mm-hmm. being D1, that's it's a hard life mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. And I do have to say, I think more clinicians are realizing that. And I think, I think, I mean, is it going to dr- dramatically change? Probably not. But, like, I do see, I see changes. Mm-hmm. I see pay getting better. You know, I feel like we keep saying that we we keep saying we keep we keep saying that pay is getting better, but I feel like no one's agreeing with us. <laughs> well, at least the job postings that I've seen, I've seen it drastically yeah. increase. Like I feel like double since we've entered. Now, granted, profession. is it where it should be? Probably not, but it's still get it's better than where it was. No, no, but I'm yeah. saying like I'm pretty sure from what yes. we've seen, I'm pretty sure I'm seeing it double. There are a lot of jobs yeah, that are double from what we, when we entered the profession. Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'd say so. Or at least when you entered the profession. <laughs> I'd say so, yeah. yeah. Um, You want to finish this? Yes. As far as our profession goes, I don't recommend it, but I don't advise against it either. I hope we figure out a way to get more respect. I tell AT students a realistic point of view and let them decide for themselves. I know I wouldn't listen when I was 20 either. It's pretty funny. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think, I think when, especially you start talking about those hot, like those higher athletic levels that you really do have to kind of like, just tell it how it is. Like, and some of them, like you tell them the realities of what that entails and they all go, Oh, I'm like, yeah, it's, Oh, like, or they'll say, Oh, I, I only want to do it for a couple of years. Yeah. Which is again, like I tell students too, because I was, you know, I've had that experience. I still think it's worth at least experiencing at some point, whether it's as a student or maybe early certified, just something to gain that experience. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, it doesn't have, you're not, just because you take a job that does not mean you're locked in like, okay, yeah, good luck. You're, I mean, you're- like we said, there's only been a handful of people who we know who've yeah. been in the same job for their career yeah exactly and honestly like either way is great like i mean 
knock on wood, I hope to stay in the same job for the rest of my career, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, who knows what's going to change, who knows how the environment's going to change. Exactly. And that's the big difference. But then also like one of the people who we know, um, Scott Tucker, he, he stayed in the same job. Since, I think that was his first job. I think so. And he stayed until he retired. And I think that he was looking at leaving. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Fun fact. I don't remember the story fully. Yeah. You could ask him. Yeah, I will have to. <laughs> but 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 that also shows too is that not every day at the your job is perfect. There there right. are, there are days that you do contemplate, man, is this it? But sometimes something happens and it just makes it better and Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So even if you're kinda like, I don't know, man, this this is kinda tough. Like doesn't necessarily mean it's super bad. It's just you gotta you gotta feel it out. Um, so Mason B, when asked about, um, like what needs to change in the profession, he said the pay and the respect. I see respect for the profession increasing, but I don't see the pay jumps needed to make AT sustainable for the younger generation. Do I think any one entity is doing a good job of advocating and advancing the profession? Not particularly. NATA is trying, but they need a new strategy because exposure is lacking. Unfortunately, I think it's more exposure from traumatic situations that end positively because ATs are there and ones that end poorly because there isn't one. I think the best path forward is to target physicians and AMA. Orthopedic physicians do a good job of advocating for coverage and the profession. The ones who get it realize we're an asset due to skill set and background. I've seen physicians say they won't cover a school without an AT being there and physicians usually get their way. Oh, that's cool. Mm Mm-hmm. I thought that was a really unique perspective because I never thought about going to the, I mean, when I go, when I used to go to our hit the hill event through California, we would have physicians there talking to legislators and kind of saying like, Hey, this is, yeah. um, you know, I support this too as a, me- as the highest medical professional. Yeah. But other than that, I, I mean, that's a great, um, for sure approach. And we do have, support from the physicians group and like the mm-hmm. AMA. Um, I talked to this, this was a while ago. I talked to one AT about it and like his opinion on it. And it, it kind of made some sense is like, yes, the physicians support us, mm-hmm. but like how much are they going to really lobby? Because at the end right. of the day, their turf, it, they are the highest medical decision. Right. So their turf's right. not being touched. So it's kind of no. like how invested are they to be as an organization? Of, mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. course, right? Mm-hmm. This is when we boil down to the legislation. So it's talking about organizations, not individual clinicians. Mm-hmm. The physicians group, how much are they going to get up in arms with what's with the, like our licensure problem? Right. So I think that's where it kind of gets a little bogged down. But that's awesome to hear like physicians saying that like, oh, I'm not I'm not if there's not an AT, I'm not covering that. Right. Right. So, yeah, I do think this, like... In, at the ground level. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And even organizationally, right? Physicians, for sure. Like, their organization has even come out and supported that ATs, this is a prof- healthcare profession. They are important for this, this, and this. They've, mm-hmm. they've, we have the support. I just... The amount of support, it, it could be debatable just because, like, I mean, they're pretty set legislatively, like, you right, know. Right, right. Um. So we haven't really touched this topic too much, and I think it's also another one that we're trying to do justice, but um, NATA is controversial right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, uh, well, we we absolutely support the NATA, and mm-hmm. I think that there's no way 
that we wouldn't. Um, there, the reason why we support it is because um, we need to see the changes made. And there are so many things behind the scenes that NATA is doing that we just... is the, Again, they're not very good at explaining what they're doing. I think um, we both agree that NATA does need an overhaul of... Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, actual uh like clinicians and people who are in the trenches and actually the ones who want to see the changes but here's the thing is the more that the ats in the trenches are going against the nata the less it's going to change yeah i mean again like nata is not perfect for sure right it's it has problems it could do things better but it also does do a lot of good as well Right. And so, it, it, you know, and the nice thing is, is, you know, being a part of NATA, like we should be able to have that voice to try and change it too. Exactly. Right? So it exactly. shouldn't just because you, you say you support NATA or you're a member doesn't mean you just go along with it. Right. You still want right. to be that push for change. Like, right. Again, we can all acknowledge NATA is not perfect. Right. And I'm no, sure we can definitely all acknowledge that. And I'm sure the ones that are you know, are highly involved in NATA can acknowledge it's not perfect, mm, but they're the ones actually trying to change yeah. it. So that's the thing is like, I feel like there's a lot of baseless, um, NATA claims like against the NATA and people are just saying like, Hey, you know, we're not making any changes, but I'm going to stop paying the NATA. I'm yeah. going to stop supporting them. Well, who, who do you expect to make the changes? Like, are, what are you doing down at the grassroots yeah. level? Yeah. And I think to the point about like the overhaul thing and getting more clinicians involved, because like, again, a lot of these positions are volunteer. So it just Mm -hmm. takes someone to volunteer. Mm -hmm. Um, But also on the flip side, again, the realities of athletic training. Well, shoot, if I'm working 70 hours, how can I really volunteer more time? Exactly. To do this committee stuff. Then have someone else do it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly why you're part of your state association, why you're part of your national association. Yeah, I think. I, I think as the profession gets better as far as like pay hours, stuff like that, I think more people will feel inclined that, Oh, I can do this. Mm-hmm. Um, but so hopefully, hopefully that happens, you know, um, because yeah, again, NATA is not perfect, but you know, there are a lot of good things on that inside that they don't really, they don't public, like they don't publicize it until they have to. <laughs> like, but once, that's the thing is like, yeah. I was looking for, <clears throat> making a policy on documentation yeah and i cannot find anything from, yeah. like i've asked athletic trainers mm-hmm. i have asked like i've gone through facebook groups i have tried to figure out like who has a policy on documentation because yeah. one of our um students one of our um our universities that we work with that sends us master students like they are asking for us to create a documentation policy and i just don't know like what What to even to begin with guess what nata's website which is so hard to navigate it is still (laughs) even though they did an overhaul of it still so hard to navigate it's better than the Um, old one for sure it is i'll give them that um i was able to find like three long documents on documentation policies and that's like literally nowhere else and something that they do not advertise. They have things in there. They have resources for athletic trainers. Of course, that's not the first thing yeah. that I was ex- like, yeah. that I was, that, I mean, I've tried to, other avenues before that. Yeah. 
because it's just not something you think of. Yeah. I, I really think that there's something like we do need an overhaul, but that overhaul is not going to happen unless we pour support into. Yeah. Yeah. And again, that's what. And not just monetary support. And that's what helps NATA grow is if it does have those people that are pretty skeptical. Right. right? Having that a part of the membership and being that voice to be like, well, hey, we why aren't we doing this? Right. That's what will help NATA grow and hopefully change. Right. So it is, it is valuable. You know, how, 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 ever way you kind of want to kind of spin it and look at it. Mm. So our next story from Kayla M says respect and acknowledgement needs to change. Recognition is a healthcare professional and not just some girl who hands out water and ice. In terms of changing the respect and recognition, I think it would help coming from our team doctors. Oh, look. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually did not realize that I put those two in. Like, <laughs> I, I did not realize that. That's funny. Um, if an athlete has an injury, they know we as athletic trainers are able to rehabilitate. They should be referred back to us for an opportunity to try uh, uh, instead of right to physical therapy. Don't get me wrong. I love and admire PTs and worked in clinics for many years. When I have an athlete who I said likely has a lateral ankle sprain that we can easily treat and parents run to the doctor who say the same thing and refer to PT, I sit there thinking I can rehab this in school at no cost, make it fun and keep you around your team. And it's my job. I also think that we need more out there in terms of advertising, not just NATA and local state organizations reaching out to us asking how they can help. Throw in facts about ATs during Monday Night Football or NBA Finals mm-hmm. or whatever, and not just in March. I know my PA guy for basketball games introduces me with the players and coaches during games, and I feel like that helps draw attention to what I'm doing. I'm not asking for a 30-minute speech at halftime, but throwing something out there in a 30-second timeout. That may be far-fetched, but if we don't get the recognition advancing for ourselves, maybe we need someone else to be helping us out. True. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that is that is true about like the uh the pt thing as far as like when it's stuff that you can like like again lateral ankle sprain like okay we can manage that like right. i get the ones that are a little more complex that need like that one-on-one or the post ops but also it depends on where what your setting is exactly because, like maybe you are at a d1 and you can have that one-on-one yeah 100 yeah, percent. i mean even then i think from like again at my my d1 experience if it was someone, because again, I mean, granted, I had track, so I had a lot of bodies anyways, but like if it was someone that I knew needed, hey, you know what, you need more one-on-one attention, I know like to serve the athlete better, I'm okay with you. Hey, maybe you should go to PT mm-hmm. because I have all these other things I have to do and I just don't feel like I'm doing you justice, even though, mm-hmm. yeah, could I maybe pull make it work? Yes. So I don't think that's necessarily like, because I remember when I was young, that would irritate me (laughs) Mm -hmm. like i'd send someone for like a condition that we can treat like patellofemoral pain right like something that like we just need to focus a little bit more on this and they'd be like lpt i'm like i i I was like dang it but no i as you get a a little bit older you just kind of like okay you know what it is probably better for the one-on-one part or the Mm -hmm. post-ops too Mm -hmm. right like can we do the post-op yes but like i've noticed it sometimes where i have someone that i'm you know obviously they're doing pt and they're coming here so they're mm-hmm. doing both mm-hmm. and i've noticed like we're doing rehab and i have like three other things and i'm just like like this like i need to be watching him more right, right you know so it's just like yeah but no definitely that like it's always those like those like things that like for sure we can handle this and it's like 
I, if you want to go pay a copay every time, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> right. They could have been free here. And more fun. That is true. Man. <laughs> I'm just saying, sometimes, man, my athletes come back and they're like, I was the youngest one there. I'm like, yeah, that happens. Might be sometimes. going to the wrong clinic. <laughs> that happens sometimes. <laughs> um, so this next one's from Maddie D. She says, "Pay. That's it. LOL. I'm honestly not sure if I see pay increasing in the next ten years. I'm in Minnesota, and it doesn't get much higher than about sixty to seventy k, and that's the people in pro sports with fifteen plus years of experience. I'd love it if it did. I think that's what drives a lot of ATs out of the profession. It's also interesting to think back on all of my preceptors while in school." all young with no kids, not married, except for the head AT at my college. So I think that shows it's not really a family-friendly job, spe- uh, specifically the traditional setting. Yeah, I mean, depending yeah, depending where you go. That's what I was going to say, Like it, which is why I put this one in, because I feel like um, it's really cool to see a different perspective, mm-hmm. because um, if you look at where we're at, um, a lot of my mentors mm-hmm. are married with kids and i'm trying to think of i feel like there are also a lot who are not mm-hmm. i think we have a different perspective where i do see a lot more of that family aspect and um i also want to get your opinion on if we had really great pay do you think ATs would stay in the profession I think more would because it doesn't change what we're doing day to day that's really burning people out yeah I think more would I think there's a small group of people people because like like I've heard this is kind of the same thing with like like uh like military officers leaving for like different jobs and like and the military's having a hard time keeping certain people mm-hmm. and they keep boosting pay, but it's like, but yet still there are still some that are leaving. Mm-hmm. So I think a small chunk will still stay if they felt they're being compensated appropriately. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause it does like, it does make a difference if you feel like you're being paid the work that you're providing. Right. Now you feel a little bit better about it because maybe Hey, like I don't necessarily mind how much I'm working. I just hate how I'm getting paid diddly poo to do all this, all this stuff, mm-hmm. right? So I think that will satisfy some, but I still think there are other things of the profession that, if you want to keep a large chunk, have to change. Right. Again, I think it is going to be hours, right? Like no one wants. I mean, I don't want to say no one, but if you had the option of maybe working more closer to forty hours than. 70 mm-hmm. you're probably gonna be a little bit happier and mm-hmm. like cool i have more time to do the things i want to do mm-hmm. so i mean i've been and in... respect i yeah. think i think respect for the profession too because you know it does kind of get old after a while constantly battling this is what i do i'm an athletic trainer like no i don't work at a gym i work <laughs> you know like that gets old after a while right, right um just also something that I see ATs do is sometimes ATs will post themselves in the gym or they'll post themselves doing more of a strength and conditioning or they'll post themselves saying like, Oh, like I'm an athletic trainer and then doing something that's like strength based. And I feel like it's just as much as the tape or the water. Like I feel like it's, it's kind of 
in the same boat. Yeah, that, where it could kind of create a, a different where, like, if if you perception, if you understand what athletic training is, then absolutely. Yeah. But if you don't understand what athletic training is, and you see an athletic trainer in the gym, mm-hmm. or if you post a lot of fitness content and then in your bio you say you're an athletic trainer. I feel like it just doesn't. Uh, athletic trainer on a fitness jersey, a fitness journey. Yeah. I feel like it just doesn't like. It could create a, a different perception. Exactly. Of what exactly. that profession is. Yeah. Yeah. I think those would be kind of the big things. Is like, yes, I think pay is a, a contributor. And I think, a, again, a small chunk will be happy with that. Because, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I've noticed it, like getting paid a little bit more, you're more willing to be like, okay, like that's not that, that's not that much difficult to do. Or mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think the biggest thing is going to be that kind of how certain jobs are structured and the expectation. Right. And I think that has to come from athletics changing its mindset too. Mm-hmm. All right. Cause again, the old way, I mean, it's getting better, but the old way was, Oh, well athletics just does whatever it wants. Mm-hmm. It's athletics, whatever, mm-hmm. where I think there needs to be more guardrails and be like, no coach, we are not going to like, you can't practice at seven o'clock because all the other practices are at nine o'clock. Right. Like we can't have someone here 12 hours a day. Right. So I think stuff like that is what will make the, profession a little bit i think will have a bigger impact on keeping people in the profession Mm -hmm. um so lastly i did talk about settings because something that we talk about a lot on our podcast is if you are burnt out in your um space then an option that a lot of people i feel like don't think about they're either like either i'm athletic trainer or i'm not um but you can also move settings one Mm -hmm. and two you can also um honestly just change from your specific place of work yeah. within the same setting yeah. um because like we know like Randy and I are both in the same setting but our workplaces are very <laughs> different <laughs> um so so I did ask about if you would like to stay in your setting if that's something you see yourself mm-hmm. doing and 51% said at least for a little while longer okay 35% said absolutely they love their setting they'd love to stay. Oh good. That's only really cool. only 14% said no I'm looking for a change. Okay. That's yeah. good. Mhm. So um one person Maggie C said loyalty to a group can stifle personal growth opportunities. And I love this quote because I felt like it um a lot of times when I see people saying like they'll post like asking for advice mm-hmm. or they'll ask um just just in general like man like I, I really feel stuck at my job yeah. or um, I really want to look for more opportunities, but I feel like I can't do that to the athletes. Yeah. I can't do that to the coaches. I can't do that to the admin. And absolutely, yes, like I'm so glad that you made so many like bridges and weren't like never, ever would I say you need to burn those bridges. Yeah. Like you need to stay away from that. You yeah. need to keep those. However, um don't do it for the people do it for you yeah i mean also too like at the end of the day like those individual people yes may have your back but also the organization you're a part of at the end of the day they're going to take care of the organization mm-hmm. so if sometimes tough decisions get made and you're on the bad end of that decision like they're the organization itself won't blink an eye right you will fall in love with the people who are yes. at the new place too yes 100%. So, you know, I, I think this is kind of a big thing, too, just in 
like work in general is people talking about, oh, there's no loyalty to companies and like stuff like this. But also you've seen what companies have done to people where right. they just they'll lay people off and yada, yada, yada. Right. So like at the end of the day, you have to take care of you. Um, and because the organization itself necessarily won't take care of you mm-hmm. when it needs to. Mm-hmm. So it's not the people, right? Like you said, the admin and stuff like that, like those relationships, it's not them. You got to remember that. Like they may t- be the one to have to tell you bad news, but I mean, that's their job too. It's right. not like it's their decision though. Right. Um, one setting that someone said was they were interested in a clinical setting with a doc that does surgery. Ooh, that's cool. I'm currently at a high school. Depending on what clinic I want to work at, more often than not, you have to complete a residency for learning how to do sur- sutures, how to remove them, surgical prep, all that stuff. And then just find an ortho clinic that is hiring for that. And there you go. Nice. That's kind of cool. I know a lot of people that are doing that. Yeah. 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 A lot of people are kind of doing that. Especially because it's really more that medical route. Yeah. And again, you know. Weekends off, mm-hmm, nine to five, more set schedule than practices changing. Coach not telling you practice changed. That one's a gem. I love that one. Yep. So we have one more about the setting, yeah. and I feel like uh, we didn't touch too much on industrial, but a lot of athletic trainers are actually going more industrial as well. Um, and that you can see a lot of significant pay increases and uh, droppage of hours. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> So Bill says, one thing I want to add to about longevity in the AT profession is that there are options within the industrial slash corporate sector, which is true. I I do have some colleagues that are doing Mm -hmm, that, mm -hmm. especially for those who like work-life balance. Also, opportunities to prove one's worth and show the general public the value an athletic trainer brings to regular working folks who make our economy run. There are so many possibilities. I think that the industrial move is great for ATs who have been in the traditional setting for a while and have done what they wanted to do in the traditional setting and not necessarily want to transition into education. I learned to look at the employees that I work with in the same lens as I would do with an athlete. I go by the principle that movement is movement, but balance between work and life is way better. When I am not at work, I do not open my laptop. No one is calling me for anything. I also work 40 hours. That is it per week. That's nice. Mm -hmm. There are different shifts. My company will start people off on the night shift. Then one would need to work their way up to the day shift. Some companies have nine to five shifts, but a lot of industries are 24 hour operations. So one would need to be flexible at the times you work during the day. I work Sunday through Wednesday, noon till 10 p.m., 1030 p.m. So kind of like a Friday game schedule, but then I have three solid days off. The company that I work for has yearly performance reviews and bonuses with it. My role is also different because I am solely working towards reducing and preventing injuries. Biggest type of injuries experienced in the industrial setting is the chronic slash repetitive activity type of injuries. Those that have big experience in non-contact sports may have an easier time with transitioning to the industrial setting. Those that come over to the industrial side, some good areas to be proficient in. Excel slash data mining, data analysis with injury trends, knowledge of the worker comp system, knowledge of OSHA guidelines, and basic principles of ergonomics. There is money in industry. If someone can prove value to the profitability of a company, they can go far, or it can be very profitable for themselves. There is not as much money in education, private or public. Something to think about. 
If you still like to hustle and have a good work ethic, an AT can reinvent themselves. It has also been great to have many opportunities to introduce to the general public what athletic trainers can do for regular, hardworking, blue-collar folks. I give them tips and treat them as my own athletes. Because California doesn't have licensure yet, I can tell people that I am an athletic, I am an athletic trainer. Other states are not as fortunate because their practice acts have not included the industrial setting for athletic trainers to practice in. So it is important that when licensure is written, that the industrial setting is considered for athletic trainers. Also, I think that every day is game day. I realize that I work with professionals all day because everyone I work with earns a paycheck with what they do. That's a good, kind of good point. Mm -hmm. It's been crazy to think, think that if someone went to the doctor, I have lost. That is my daily view on my work. Literally looking at the phrase of an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Sometimes this can equate into tens, even hundreds of thousands of dollars. Sometimes millions in savings for a company as a result of work that can be done by an AT slash injury prevention specialist. Currently, I am with my company's air division, so I get to work out on the tarmac with cargo jets and people who are pushing and handling 3,000 to 4,500 pound containers for eight hours a day. Pushing techniques and pulling techniques are crucial as well as having the chance to develop new working strategies, etc. Fun to be creative in new ways to prevent injuries. It took me six months to understand the concept of supply chain warehouse industry, and also for me to adjust my lens to see the similarities in movement patterns between what my associates do and what athletes do. Now I'm able to transfer a lot from the athletic realm to industrial performance. I periodize my year similar to an athletic season. The shopping season is our playoff and championship season. Each of the... Each of the site battle to see who is the most productive and has the lowest safety ratings. I work to keep our recordable injuries down, which helps our bottom line. I am learning every day. I am also developing content to transfer over what I have done in the athletic realm and transfer that to industrial performance. What's cool is we actually got to talk to someone in Houston who works with airlines. Mm-hmm. And kind of like similar, like working at the tar on the tarmac, working with people on push pull techniques. So, so it was actually really fitting too because we were on our way to Houston. We were uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. delayed, <laughs> and so we were sitting in the plane just on the tarmac, uh-huh. and so we were just looking out the window, and we were seeing some of the workers pick up the suitcases and put them in, yep. and we were seeing how poorly they were picking <laughs> up the suitcases <laughs> and putting them in. So, um, and thinking their AT would be yelling at them. Right. And we were like, I wonder if they have an AT. Yeah. Um, especially because of, and you could actually see, um, some of them who, um, had certain like back protection yep. or some who didn't. Um, so it was kind of, it was just really interesting to see that we were kind of talking about that when we were on delay. Yeah. And then for to actually meet someone in Houston who gave a whole, speech on it or yeah. a whole, gave a whole lecture on it um which was which was pretty cool it was kind of yeah. like full circle yeah for sure i know some people who were working with airline too because oh, yeah, you did our whole division our whole company that worked that contracted me out to the theme park mm-hmm. um when i was working with performing arts so like i had to know all that stuff about like osha and stuff yeah even though i was working with performing artists yeah because they're all employees yeah 
So lastly, to wrap it up real quick, um, we have three pieces of advice that that athletic trainers would tell a past self. I think you should read this first one, Randy, because um, I think you, you like to say this all the time. Too. Oh, yes. This one's by Rebecca R. My piece of advice to new ATs when they're interviewing is you're interviewing them as much as they're interviewing you. Yes, that's very true. <laughs> it helps keep my value at the forefront of my mind. Also, asking questions about bonuses, raises based on years of employment in company, etc., along with questions about how loyal employees are rewarded. How does the company handle someone who, quote unquote, quiet quits? Because that happens after the employee has already began to feel devalued. Or how do they prevent quiet quitting? See, that is very true, right? Like, you know your value. You know what you bring. You should be interviewing this place as much as they're interviewing you because it may not be a good fit for you. I think there's a way to do it, though. Yes, there is, for sure. You just have to... I mean, they're still interested in you. You still have to put your best foot forward. It's not like... Yes, as on the flip side, as they should, too. Right. It should be both of a give and take exactly. relationship. Um, Stephanie F says, you can't fix everyone every time. True. Just do your best. Always do right by your patient. It's so easy for us to be hard on ourselves and discredit all the good work and effort we put in for our patients. If it doesn't resolve positively, I'm having to remind myself of that right now with a few of my athletes. True. I feel that. And then lastly, Kayla M don't care more than your athletes do. You'll burn out real fast. If you try to fix everything. True. I feel like kind of along the same lines. Yep. That's yeah. That's good. It's way like uh, don't give your entire self. Yeah, that's how you lose your entire self. That's very true. So, in conclusion, our profession is changing, and so are we. That's right. I think that's a good. Title. I think that's a good way to finish this one on, for sure. Um, if you guys are new, every other episode we do is education or stories. This one was a story episode. Next week we're going to go back to our education. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a Facebook group if you'd like to join facebook.com slash group slash AT Corner Podcast where you can go and share your opinion on some of the things that we talked about on this episode. You can comment, you can um, talk to other professionals, et cetera, et cetera. If you'd like to submit a new story for an upcoming episode, um, which I have not updated our Facebook group to reflect what <laughs> stories Topics. are upcoming, um, but those will be on our Instagram stories. And if you guys are looking for CEUs, we have some on our podcast. We also have MedBridge. You can get for $150 mm-hmm. off with code AT Corner and a bunch of extras, fun stuff down in the show notes below. And I think that is all I have. Perfect. Thank you for helping us showcase athletic training behind the tape. Bye. <laughs>